covering sports in the Midwest, it's the Midwest Sports Network, MWSN.net. It's episode 165 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and our special guest is Jim DeBelt, who was the first guest on this podcast nearly three years ago. Jim is currently writing a book covering high school girls basketball in the state of Ohio. We're talking about the book, upcoming changes to local conferences, and we'll catch up since episode 15. It's the Local Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcasts to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. As you heard it correctly, it is episode 165. It is the first episode with the brand new Roadcaster Pro. Man, this thing is great. Very excited to continue using that, but more excited to get to episode 165's guest it's jim debelt jim has been on this podcast twice last time was episode 15 all those moons ago back in 2017 jim how are you lee it's great talking to you again and i'm excited to uh continue to listen to your podcast you're doing a great job uh bringing the sports to the area Thank you, Jim. I appreciate the kind words, and it's nice to see you still in, you know, covering girls basketball in southwest Ohio, around the Pittsburgh area, southeast Ohio. I saw you published an article uh, today. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I actually am working for Prep Girls Hoops Ohio, which is an online, uh, like a media outlet for girls basketball, and it's goes all over the United States. There's 25 or so states that are so far in the network. And I actually kind of run the Ohio part of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I have a couple of really, really great people working with me to, to promote girls basketball in Ohio. And it's a, basically it's a division one subscription based um, certified scouting service slash media outlet that allows us to promote kids throughout the state of Ohio and, as I mentioned, all over the country in the different outlets. Like I mentioned, Jim DeBelt has been on this podcast twice. The last time was episode 15. And Jim was the very first guest on this podcast all the way back to episode 4 when it was called The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Really should have kept the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast name throughout, but, you know, details. Yeah, just details. (laughs) Just little details. So... (laughs) Let's begin. I'd like to sort of recap a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and how did you get up in the Upper Valley part of the area? Well, Lee, actually, I grew up in Tip City, Mm -hmm. um, and I uh, moved to a couple different places. And when my son was in kindergarten, I wanted to put him through the school system here. So I moved back and bought bought a home here in Tip and have been here since 2003. 
he's of course graduated and, and, and doing his thing now, but just love the community. I love the upper Miami Valley. I work in Troy at a, at a hospital. And, uh, so I'm obviously most of my, everything I do is pretty much North of the Dayton area, uh, except when it comes to going to, you know, cover games, but most of my free time is spent up here and it's, you know, I just like it up here North of Dayton and, you know, it's just kind of hometown feel tip city. What got you into girls basketball and writing about the sport? Well, when I was uh, in high school, um, a senior in high school, Coach Tom Reddick, who was my English teacher also, um, I had started writing for the newspaper here in town, the city paper. When I was 15 years old, I covered the Dayton Flyers. Had a, had a column called the Flyer Review, and I wrote about the Flyers every week. It was a weekly paper. And that was about the time that they – made their big tournament run with Roosevelt Chapman and Damon Goodwin and, and that whole group that came through under coach Donaher. And so I started writing about UD when I was a 15 year old high school student. And then when I got to my senior year, uh, coach Reddick asked me if I'd want to help out the girls basketball team, like do some stats and stuff like that. I said, yeah, I'd love to, that'd be great. And then we, um, we ended up going to the uh, district finals, hit a buzzer beater to go to the regionals. Uh, we go to the regional finals, hit a buzzer beater, go to the state final four this whole time. I'm like, wide eyed, like, this is really, this is really cool. You know, it's kind of pretty exciting for a, for an 18 year old, you know, to come through and, and watch your classmates continue to, 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 to succeed on the court. Then we go to the final four. We beat Akron Hoban in the one year that the state tournament was not in Columbus, which of course now it's in Dayton next year, but mm-hmm. that year, that year is in Akron. So we beat Akron Hoban pretty much in their backyard in the final four and then went to the championship game and got beat by Millersburg West Holmes who had a 108 game winning streak going. We had him down two with seven seconds to go, missed a free throw. They come down score, went to overtime and beat us. And on the way home, I told Coach, I said, Coach, I really love this. This is so exciting. He goes, you need to take your love for writing and help promote the girls' game. Because at the time, it wasn't cool to promote girls' sports. Now now everybody who can make a buck will do it. You know what I'm saying? But back yeah. in the day, it wasn't cool back in the day. So I did it. Started in the late, late 80s and branched out around Ohio, starting around 89 or 90. And, and uh, 30 years after kind of really expanding my wings here it is 2020 and i'm still going strong you mentioned the flyers when you started to cover them that was also about the time anthony grant now the head coach of ud he was on that team um yes yes he was he sure was he was he was i think he came off the bench and uh you know of course that he had a great career at ud and he now he's coming back to have a a great coaching stint obviously with the success they had last year so Times have yeah. definitely changed since uh, Anthony oh, Grant was a player. Now as a head coach, the uniforms Absolutely. all different and everything. But oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's one of my favorite local stories. Uh, how about some of your favorite local stories about when you started to cover girls basketball? Well, um, I just my biggest thing is I, I I like to work with people and I like to help promote the, the athletes. Um, the coaches have always been wonderful. Uh, never had a problem with a coach not being cooperative or not wanting to help me help them kind of thing. Because, you know, it goes hand in hand. You know, if they help me, I'm able to help them a lot better. So 
Um, you know, just the, the athletes have come through over the years. You know, this is my, like I said, my 35th year in girls basketball coming up. And I just love the opportunity to, to promote the kids that they work really hard. Boys basketball gets a lot of exposure. Football, of course, gets a ton of exposure. Girls basketball is starting to, like I said, get, get, get some more exposure. But for those of us, I call us dinosaurs that have been in this game for this long. <laughs> There aren't many of us left that are still, you know, we're here at the beginning, but it's just, I love, I love to meet the people and I've been reconnecting with a lot of former players for a project that I'm doing and just reconnecting with players from 30 years ago that I haven't seen has been one of the most amazing COVID stories, I guess, because everybody, you know, everybody asks for a COVID story where mine is, I started a big project and reconnecting with a lot of great players and it's been an amazing couple of months. So how did you wind up on deciding to write a book about some of the successes of girls basketball in Ohio? Well, Lee, you know, I, I've, I've always loved to just promote them. And there's been so many, pl- so many players in Ohio that have come along that, you know, from, like I said, back when I started till now, there's been so many great players in Ohio if people don't know, is in the top three states in the country every year for recruitable players and players that go on to college at the next level. Texas, California, and Ohio are usually the, are you, are the, are the big three in girls' basketball around the country. Mm. So I'm thinking, you know, there's so many great players. Um, I decided one day I woke up and I said, you know, you know I've, been this, I've been in this for 35 years. How much longer am I going to stick around? Who knows? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, every day I get up, I'm thinking, you know, how much longer am I going to do this? And I said, you know, before I ever do decide to step away, I want to leave a great legacy. Uh, not that the work that I have doesn't speak for itself, but something that will be memorable, something that people will always be able to go to, um, to learn about the history and the players that have come up over the years. So decided to write a book on the top girls basketball players in Ohio during my tenure of the last 30 years, 1990 through the 2020 graduating class. 30 years of girls basketball. That's a lot of players to witness. Now, how are you deciding on who gets covered in the book? Well, a lot of them is basically just my memory of them. Um, like I said, I, I went through, I took, I have all the all Ohio teams, the all state teams uh, that have been published. And so I started by going through all of the all state teams and creating a, a an initial rough draft of all the players that were listed high, like first, second or third team, highlighted the players that were two or three time state all state players, like two or three years. And I ended up after I got done with that rough draft, I have I had about three hundred and fifty names on this piece of paper, three fifty. So I'm thinking, now what am I going to do with all these names? So, you know, obviously a lot of it was by, by memory. And, and, and I knew I, 90% of the players to 95% in that range, I clearly remember them. I took a couple of years off in the late 80s or late 90s. But I, when I, just for a couple of years, when I came back, um, you know, so I didn't miss very much of the game. But. Just, you know, the memory and all the names I recognize, all the names. And for like I said, most of them, I remembered clearly about most of them. So 
Um, it's just basically an opinion on who I think the top 150 players are that have come through Ohio in the last 30 years. I believe it was the Dayton Daily News article. I believe David Jablonski uh, wrote that. A previous guest on this podcast, by the way. Yes. Um, I listened to him. He's, he was very good. Yeah, that's uh, all those interviews I think were great. But Oh, they were great. Yes, definitely. The article mentioned that does every player get their own chapter? Yeah. Now, Lee, when I, when I say chapter, like a lot of times chapters are 10 pages, but in this mm-hmm. case, chapters are one or two pages. I just, I just call them chapters because every player will have a one to two page write up. So I contact every player. I have reached, I have personally talked to probably 80 to 90 players so far in the last two and a half months. And so I talk to them and basically get all the information I need. We have a nice long 45 minute to an hour and a half conversation, depending upon how well I knew them. A lot of it's reconnecting, just touching base with each other. But, you know, for that, I get a lot of their information and I, I create their story. So everybody's story is going to be based on your high school memories, how you started in the game, who are your inspirations, you know, what are you doing now? Are you still in the game? But I always lead it with some kind of a really cool opening to catch attention. And it's based on their, their life. Like I have one girl in the book who played high school basketball in the northern Miami Valley, went to the Ohio State University and played for four years. And now she is a nun out of Illinois, which is really cool. You know, that, that's a job that most people don't go after. But, um, you know, she's she's uh, and so that's just one example of just now. Obviously, I didn't personally talk to her yet. I've talked to her parents, but, you know, I got you know, they sent her all the stuff I needed. She filled it out and she sent it back up to me. So, you know, most most of the time, you know, everybody's been very grateful. I've never had anybody decline to be in it everybody's been very the thing i hear the mostly is just thank you for remembering me that's what Mm -hmm. that's the most thing that's what people have mostly said is just thanks for remembering about my career now have you thought about how long the book will be you mentioned how many players you uh, would like to cover and that each chapter is going to be about a page to two but do you know how much more outside the players you're going to cover in the book? Yeah, I'm actually probably, Lee, I'm looking at probably, I could see it to be about 250 or 300 pages when I'm done. Um, because I've decided to add another special, two other, three other special sections, actually. Mm. Uh, so I have a section known as like the others to consider slash honorable mention players by decade. So these are the players that are not going to be featured as the 150, but they're a list of just a list of names who also are strongly considered as some of the better players. And then I have a section that's going to be quotes from the stars. So every player will answer the question about if you could give advice to a teenager now who wants to go into the next level, what advice would that be? And obviously from different eras, if you're a 1990 graduate or you're a 2020 graduate, you had a different experience because recruiting back in the day is a lot different than it is today. Absolutely. And you know, the game, the game itself has changed too from that time span as well. It sure has. The game is different. Um, you know, there's a lot, I think the game, the players are a lot more athletic now. 
Um, I, I, the, the rim is still the same distance off the ground. The free throw line is still the same distance from the rim, you know? So the, the, the concept of the, the, the actual physical part of the game hasn't changed the concept, the, the, you know, the, the fact that social media is such a big part of today's game. And the fact that back in 1995, for example, so many people said I had to go out and just get better by myself in my driveway. Um, or some of them have been lucky enough to have a, like live on a farm. That their barn was turned into a basketball court. But nowadays, people just shell out money left and right and go to trainers all the time, uh, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think going to a trainer will definitely help your game. But also, you also need to work on the game yourself in your driveway by yourself to make yourself a better player. And that's back in the day. That's all anybody did. They worked on their own game and made themselves a great player. And also, I mean, back in the day, there's got to be sports trainers out there. But like you mentioned, nowadays, you know, sports is a big business. And, you know, it's all about you know, improving yourself and trying to be the best out there. And you look at it, you know, the, you know, people go to trainers to become a better basketball player. And then they go to trainers to become better in better fitness shape. And then they go to trainers for mental health part of the game, you know, to mental not, you know, to become a, a mentally stronger in the game. So you have coaches that, that stuff like that so there are a lot of options that are out there now that were not out there 25 years ago and you know hey hats off to everybody who takes advantage of it because it's there for a reason you know i mean the, today's player it's just a different kind of player today than it was back when i first started i was going to mention that a couple of years back, Wright State, I think, was one of the first in the country to have a mental game coordinator where, you know, pretty much all he would do is work on, you know, how the players are thinking and working with that aspect. And I don't know if you would see that back in the 1990s. No, you really didn't. Um, I, like I said, and, and the mental part of the game is so important now. I mean, everybody wants that advantage. Everybody wants that advantage over their opponent. Um, you know, y'all, the competition nowadays for, for anything is just incredible. Any, any, any advantage you can get over the girl next to you is one that most people will take because it's like, hey, it just gives me just a little bit of an edge over her to maybe, you know, not only maybe compete better, maybe draw the attention of coaches a little bit better. You know, so it, it all kind of wraps together. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that kind of stuff, it just wasn't it wasn't readily available. Um, if it was, I didn't know about it back in the day. So, um, you know, you look at things now and, you know, players are, you know, getting an opportunity to really reap the benefits of a lot of, a lot of newer technology and a lot of newer things. And something else I just thought of nutritionist. I mean, I'm sure they existed back in the nineties, but I mean, nowadays I think all major teams have at least one. Yeah, I mean that's very important. You know what 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 you put in your body is very important if you're going to get the most out of your body. And you know a lot of people, you know now you look at people that go to 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 the CrossFit or to even go to the Y and work out and try to get in the best shape. We also got to have the best nutrition. And so having somebody guide you will obviously be a benefit for you if you're trying to become the most you know, well-rounded athlete and physically fit and mentally fit and, and, you know, nutritionally fit, I guess, athlete that you can become, 
to make that next step and maybe get that free education at, in the, at the college level. Now, you mentioned the book will have sort of an honorable mention for athletes. Is this any chance of turning into a sequel? You know, Lee, I, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, you know, writing this book has been, it's been great. I have zero complaints about it. Not one complaint. Maybe the oh well, maybe the only semi complaint was like, oh my gosh, I've only got forty of them done. I've got hundred and ten more to go. Mm-hmm. But but then but then I look at it and think, you know, I do have forty of them done. That's really that's that is a great start to something that it, and this isn't going to happen. You know, in today's world, and I'm as bad as everybody else. You probably are too. You want immediate gratification. You want immediate. I want things happen right now. And this book isn't going to be a weekend project. You know, it's going to be a many several month project. So um, I would say the answer to your question is probably this will probably be my first and last book that I write. I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe maybe maybe, I don't know. Be nice to write. It would be nice to write something else. But I mean, I don't know what really I'm smart enough to write about except for this. You know, this is going to really take a lot of lot of toll and and you know, a lot of a uh, lot of time and 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 stuff. But like I said, the best part of the book is, well, the best part of the book is going to be having one copy in my hand when it comes out in March. Yeah. But the second favorite part is talking on the phone with the the Katie Smiths, three time Olympic gold medalist, or Marlene Stallings. The only, the only player girl in Ohio to score 3000 points in her career, you know, uh, several players that went to the, to the pros, several of the coaching in college, you know, like I said, it's just, that is probably taking away the actual finished product. That's probably the most exciting part of the book for me is just reconnecting and talking about the old times, talking about the coaches and the, and just this little fun experiences that we had had together, you know, just, Hmm. do you remember the time when this happened or that happened? It's like, that's 30 years ago, you know, and a girl that I talked to, her dad was a great high school coach up at Sherwood Fairview high school in Northwest Ohio. Hmm. And her name, her name was, her her maiden name was Casey English. And she is actually a uh, basketball coach in East Lansing now married with several kids. And her daughter actually is going to be a freshman UD in the fall. Hmm. And, um, just talking, talking to her for an hour about her dad, her dad passed away several years ago and just talking about you know, what he did for the game. He, he was one of the early people that started the, the thought process of we're going to, you know, defense is important, but we're going to, you're going to have to score a lot to beat us. They love to run. They love to press and they love to score. And, you know, just that kind of stuff, talking to Casey on the phone and, you know, uh, pl- tentatively planning a lunch when she's coming down to date in the next time stuff like that is kind of this is the kind of stuff that i really enjoy just talking to people like beth ostendorf who was a you know went to vanderbilt played urbana for a couple years then moved to pickerington people like lynette roth and like i said justine ratterman was just on my zoom facebook watch party last night she versailles state champion first time they won the state for girls basketball was when justine was there so just connecting with all these people has made the book extremely worth my time. And you mentioned Justine Ratterman, great flyer, great career at UD. Oh, but, she she went in the Hall of Fame last year. You know, she mm-hmm, she could do right. it all. 
she could do it all. She was a, a strong post player, has had a great game, had a good range to her shot, you know, played a little bit overseas. And now she is assistant coach up at Marquette, up in Milwaukee, along with Megan Duffy from CJ, who is their head coach. Both of those players are in the book as well. So Megan and uh, Justine. So, you know, just, uh, yeah, at UD, she was a star, Allie Malott. People remember Allie Malott from the Flyers. She's from Middletown, Madison. I spoke to her a couple weeks ago. She's going to be in there. So, yeah, it's um, there's a lot of very familiar names. And the cool thing is, you know, if you're if you're 16 right now, you're going to recognize some of the names. If you're 30, you're going to recognize some of the names. If you're 50 plus like me, you're going to recognize <laughs> some of the names. So, you know, it, it's kind of and everybody's like, well, I can't wait to buy a copy. And they may not know 10 names in there, but they just they just want to learn about who the great players have been over the last 30 years. They don't a lot of them don't really probably have a great connection with a lot of them. They may know two or three players, maybe because, oh, hey, I remember her when she played 10 years ago. But they just want to read who some of the legends and people. And what I always tell people is those players are the ones that pave the way for you guys today. You know, they're, they're, they're the pioneers in 1990 that set the way for people in 2000 who then set the way for today's players. So it's just a, it's a chain. It's like a ripple effect. And that's the biggest thing. People just want to read about the history. Now, before I get to the question of who you're covering, I just want to mention uh, you're a hockey guy. I'm a hockey guy. And definitely there's one book that I hope gets a sequel. It's uh, Chuck Gabringer's uh Hockey in Dayton, History Through Pictures. I mean, granted, it talked at the end, it talked a little bit about the demons. Um, so, you know, demons, demolition, that's not going to be a lot for a second book. But, sure. you know, there's there's part of me that still wants a second hockey book. Well, I mean, you look at it, Lee, and you were a big part of the hockey here in Dayton when they uh, had the success, and you know, before they closed. And, uh, you know, with starting back with the gems and the days of, you know, gosh, way back in, when Lyle Stieg was the voice um, mm. with of the gems all the way up through, you know, the, the bombers and the resurgent gems and the, the demolition, the demons. That, hockey in Dayton, it's really unfortunate that it's taking the road that it's taken. You and I love the sport. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of you and I's out there because, you know, it's just like you saw a small crowd and. You know, Hare Arena was just such a great place. And unfortunately, of course, it had closed and then the tornado destroyed it even more than that. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I hope someday and I know you do, too, because I know you love the sport. You do a great job with the hockey, on, you know, with, with the announcing of, of the different levels. And um, I hope someday I'm still alive when hockey does return to Dayton, because I think it's going to be a great, you know, it's just a, it's an action packed game that pe- people don't understand the game. When you go watch it, though, that's when you fall in love with it. Absolutely, and thank you for the kind words, Jim. It's just, uh, I, I don't know when it will happen, if it will happen, but there you go. Here's the funny thing. You and I you and I were together. My only game I ever broadcast. That's hockey, right. You and I were together and did a game <laughs> way back. Uh, you, have, you have to refresh your memory. You got o- those dates more than I do. but October um, 2012, it was the very first home game for the Dayton Demons, and that was my first game in the professional levels. Yes. Or semi-professional. That's what they're going by nowadays, but whatever. It still counts. It's all good. Hey, yeah. you know, it, was, yeah. it was a great time. I enjoyed it. 
You know, yeah. did I know what I was doing? Uh, probably not a whole lot, but <laughs> it, it was it was fun. We got through it, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> somehow I stuck around for another uh, for four seasons, but you know, hey, but, game's a little fast for me, but I, you, you yeah. younger people can handle that. That's you know. It's it's you see people like Doc Emmerich and stuff, and it's like how do these guys keep up with that so fast? But you know, they, they, those obviously those are the legends of the game. So, well, the thing that impresses me about Doc Emmerich is he learned most of his vocabulary when he had the internship with the Dayton Gems back uh, back in the first uh, the first okay. team, and he was at Miami U at the time. So it's always that's something. Awesome. Yeah, it's oh, always yeah. something. like, huh, that's kind of cool. Well, basketball is my life. Hockey's a love. I can tell you that basketball is what I'm known for, mm. but hockey is something that, of course, anybody in Ohio knows if they say Pittsburgh Penguins, and I know, you know, I know there's a lot <laughs> of Blue Jacket fans in this area, but anybody that says that, and I've had people tell me that, they said, "Oh my gosh, I saw this Penguin. I was watching the the game or the highlights, and the Penguins came on, and I thought of you." And this was from people all over the place. So it's like it's kind of like you know, you become who you are a fan of, and of course, everybody knows how I'm a fan of. So it's you know it's it's a great sport, and you know you keep doing the great job you do. Absolutely. Now let's head back to that book, shall we? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned a couple athletes right off the bat, but tell me some of the athletes that you know are more. What's a better way to put this? Tell me some of the athletes that folks can remember from a couple seasons ago. Well, obviously, the one player that's in the book that's the most recent is Madeline Westbeld. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not got a chance to reach out to Madeline or Catherine yet. Her sister's also in the book. You know, Catherine graduated from Notre Dame as a, as a national champion. Uh, but Madeline is a 2020 graduate from Fairmont. Um, and she's also going to Notre Dame. Um, you know, they have a new coaching staff. Muffet McGraw mm-hmm. retired after the end of the last season. And um, obviously, you know, she's, she's what she's done. Her success speaks for itself. So I do look for people, you know, for Madeline to have a great, um, successful experience at Notre Dame. There's no question about that. Uh, then you have people like down at Mason, Sandy Poesis. She's a 19 grad, uh, Michaela Morris from Kenton Ridge. She is uh, she is the one of the only people. First of all, she holds the state record for most rebounds in her career, hmm. and she also had over she so she had over a thousand rebounds. I don't remember the total, but she also had two thousand points. So she's one of the very rare people that had a two thousand point two thousand plus point one thousand rebound career. Um, so that's and and she's you know she's at Quin, Quinnipiac right now, so she's uh you know, had a great year with, with, with her college out there. Um, you have people like shy Magruder, shy played at Trotwood, moved over from Wayne to Trotwood and, and had a, she's at New Mexico right now. She's a fantastic player. That's also going to be featured. Um, so the, and those are some of the ones that, uh, some of the, the, those are some of the newer ones, some of the younger ones that people will recognize, um, over, over the last couple of years, um, and, and there's, you know, there's obviously some other names that are a little older than them that, you know, they'll be able to read next year when the book comes out. But those are some of the, some of the more high profile area kids that are some of the, you know, some of the younger ones that have made the book. 
Now give me some athletes' names that... Uh, spoilers, when it was 1990, I was two. So give me some of the athletes that... Um, <laughs> Yeah. towards the older side of the book. I, I probably shouldn't say older, but you get what I'm saying. That played yeah. uh, a while back in the 90s. Well, obviously, you know, probably the the first one that comes to mind is a point guard from Pickerington. <clears throat> and I didn't know how I was going to reach out to her. But it is a Susie Castle. And Susie played at Pickerington, graduated in 1990. So she's just a little bit younger than I am. Uh, she actually works for the Habitat for Humanity down in Florida. And we reached, we talked for about an hour on the phone last week as well. Um, she went to Bowling Green and, you know, was a great pass first point guard. A uh, kid that, uh, well, she's not a kid anymore, but, you know, at the time she was a kid that really, you know, put Pickerington, you know, and Pickerington obviously has the most players in the book. And I'm trying to go by memory. I want to say they have seven. Out of the because you know in in the nineties from ninety through ninety nine Pickerington won five state championships mm. and they finished runner up once so six out of the what ten years they were first or second in the state in in, in the division one the big school division so obviously they're going to have people like Susie Castle Michelle Shade I mentioned Beth Ostendorf she started her career at Urbana. Played her first two years at Urbana, won a state championship, and then she ended up at Pickerington, had to move to Columbus. And so she played at Pickerington for two years. So she is a kid, and I just talked to her last week. She lives out in San Diego right now. Hmm. So just talking to some of those players, Katie Smith, of course, everybody knows Katie. She's the best player, in my opinion, the greatest player to come through Ohio. Um, she graduated in 1992, went to the Ohio State University. She jumped into Ohio State as a freshman and led them to the championship game, the NCAA Finals. Got beat by Texas Tech and Cheryl Swoops in the finals. Um, and then Katie went on to the WNBA, the ABL, the WNBA, where she became the first women's professional player to score 5,000 points as a pro. Now, that has since been broken. Um, but you know now she's a, a coach. She's three-time Olympic gold medalist. And I believe she's the only person in this book that has been inducted into the James A. Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, which happened a couple of years ago for her. Um, you know, she was in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame already. But to go into the Naismith Hall of Fame along the likes of Michael and Larry Bird and, you know, all those players, you know, Magic and Kareem and you know, all those players that played in this, you know, back in the, when we were kids, you know, that are now in the, in the Hall of Fame, she was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, which is unheard of, you know, but she, she has that. So that's, that's the biggest name. And, and she's, she's a 92 graduate. So she's, you know, she's still coaching the WNBA and having a great time. Uh, she worked one of my events here in Dayton a couple of years ago. And got a chance to talk to her, and, and obviously, and her and I are still friends, so we reconnected quite a bit there, and and uh, got an opportunity to uh, to you know get her get her information in the book as well, and so yeah, there's quite a few uh, players from the '90s that are you know still wanting to talk basketball. I talked to you know I said Casey English is in the book from Sherwood Fairview. She's the one I talked about earlier. Um, 
you know, s- several players, like I said, from all over the state. I mean, every corner of the state um, is in the book. So it's it's a uh, you know a, a player that uh, that one of the, my favorite players. And I'll never forget this young lady. She's graduated from Ohio State. She went to Oak Hill High School, and I remember back in the early '90s. I was covering an AAU state championship, and that's when AAU basketball was really a different. It's, it was really good basketball back then. Mm. And the state, she was a sixth grader. I never knew who she was, but someone said, "You got to go watch this sixth grader play." And I'm like, sixth grader? I don't watch sixth graders play for what I do." And I said, "All right, it's in West Carrollton." So I drove to West Carrollton from here, which is 20 minutes, right? Yeah. I walk into the gym. Hawking Valley Stars, which is a sixth or seventh grade, I think seventh grade team, she was playing for a seventh grade team, was playing in the national tournament. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, and and they were really good. They were seventh graders, though, right? So her name is Jamie Lewis. So Jamie comes down and half court as a sixth grader, and she's about 5'2", fires this pass to whoever was open under the basket. The girl got behind her defender. Jamie comes down, zips this pass through midcourt. I mean, on a bullet as a sixth grader to this girl for a layup. I just turned around and walked out of there. I couldn't, couldn't believe what I saw. I'm like, I, I didn't leave. I just walked outside. I'm like, what did I just see? Because I had some people there that I was friends with. I'm like, did you just see that? And, and we became great friends. You know, she ended up, um, averaged about 31 points a game was a freshman in high school um, was all state and then uh, went to Ohio State and set the all time assist record at Ohio State um, and now she lives back in Columbus but she also had a tryout in the WNBA but you know people like that you know and I, I'm really I'm, I'm really favored to the older players although I, I, I when I put my list together it's very ironic how the numbers are similar you know, by decades, they're almost similar, really similar. And then, uh, you know, so and by divisions, they're pretty similar because I don't want to get 100 players from the 90s. That would that, that would not be that's not feasible. But it was very close. It was I was pretty close to the same number of kids in the 90s, the 2000s and the 10s, which and I didn't do it on purpose that way, just landed that way. And uh but it was I'm real partial towards the players back in the 90s because those are who I came up into the game with. Those are the people that I got to, you know, get to know. For, those are the first people I met in the game. And, you know, just to rekindle the relationships we had was just amazing. Absolutely. I, I think that's a pretty cool thing that you're doing with the book. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I like it. Now, let me ask this. Yeah. Is there a wish list or like a second list that you have in case you can't get any of the interviews? I think I'll get them all. Um, I think, I mean, here's how I look at it. When I went into this, because social media, because I'm in, I'm, I'm very deeply entrenched in a very inner tight inner circle for girls basketball. So, I, people that know other people who know, like if I have to reach out to so-and-so, usually I just start with my circle and boom, they know them. Somebody knows them in, in, my, in my circle. Um, AAU coaches from back in the day or players. I've reached out to players through players. 
that, that I've already, like, I'll talk to somebody. I'll say, oh, man, I can't reach out. I can't find this player. Oh, I'm friends with her. So they call her, and the next thing you know, I'm on the phone with her in a couple days after that. So I don't, I mean, when I started this book, I honestly believe because of social media, if I can find 80%, I think 80%, 75 to 80%, I'll be able to find without too much trouble. The other 20 to 25%, I'm going to have to work for probably. And it's going to be, and there's a couple that I'm, I'm really struggling trying to find. It's like, you know, I can't call the school because nobody's there. You know, I, I, I always start with their college or high school because they're probably in their Hall of Fame. And then, um, you know, I reached out to this one player's college, couldn't, didn't hear back from them. High school, didn't hear back from them. So it's like, okay, so a player like that may take a little time to get a hold of. But everybody else, for the most part, even the players that I didn't think I'd be able to find or I figured it would be tough to find, I've actually already found. So, um, you know, there's still some I've, I'm, tra- I'm trying to to, to, to dig up and find but even like i said even the ones some of the ones that i thought oh she's gonna be tough to reach i've already reached out to them so you know that that never really bothered me too much because i figured in today's society i'll be able to find most people you gotta love social media right oh it's it's safe if i didn't have social media i wouldn't write this book because i wouldn't (laughs) be able to find a lot of these people now, you know, but social media has really helped me. Now, you mentioned that the book should be available March 2021. Is that correct? That's correct. So my, my timeline is I want to have the book written by October 1st. Okay. That means the rough the roughest of the rough drafts. I want all the players, chapters, everything in there by October 1st. Is that a reasonable goal? I think it's I think it's obtainable. Is it is a, a sure thing? Well, certainly not. But I think it's obtainable to reach it by October first, and then I'll have until January first to read the book several times. A couple of friends of mine, one of my old high school English teachers, actually said he would proof it for me with me. So, which is nice to have another pet set of eyes mm-hmm. on it. But um, so I have three months then: November, December, October, November, December to to proof the book, to make sure all the photos have photo releases signed, um, all that kind of stuff. And then January 1st, I, um, I sent it in to do the, and I'm self-publishing. Okay. So I'm self-publishing the book. Um, and the, the printers are in Akron. So it's, it's, I just have to get them the final copy and then they'll get everything and bind it all up and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm self-publishing. So, I'm debating about hiring an editor to, uh, I don't know yet because I mean, I do this for a living. I write for a living. Mm. And so I don't know if I'm going to add that expense to what it's already going to cost me, but you know, whether I do or not, my, my January and February, I'll probably put the finishing touches on the book, get the cover done, get the forward written by somebody, which is, I don't know who that's going to be yet, but you know, get, get the, the minor details done. And then, you know, by March 1st, hopefully have the books available. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to sell them on Amazon. We'll probably sell them on my, on my basketball website. So people can just pay for them online and I can ship them out. We're, I'm going to do some various book signings. Um, 
at the state. Uh, we're trying to bring the players back to the state tournament mm-hmm. and recognize them at next year's state tournament, the UD arena. And then maybe have a book signing. And then I talk some couple of the players that are older wants to maybe go back to their high school and do a book signing at their high school with them, me and them to promote the book and to give back to their alma mater for like today's athletes can get a book or they can go back and the staff can, you know, just a chance to go back and give it back to their high schools. Now you mentioned it's going to be self-published. What are some of the benefits of doing that? And what are some of the extra challenges of self-publishing a book? Well, the biggest challenge for me is, is cost. I mean, and, and it's not that I can't afford to do it, but that, that's, that's honestly probably the biggest challenge. Um, I think some of the benefits are is I have a lot more control over what the book is going to look like. Um, I have a lot more control over the timing, um, getting it prepared and ready to go. I mean, if I, if I go with the publisher, then you're, basic, you're basically at their, you're at their mercy. As far as when they're ready to present the book out, I'm on a very strict deadline as I want the book in my hand March 1st. And because I've got to have that by state turn. And so that's kind of, that's kind of, and I gave myself plenty of time. It's only June. So I gave myself, and like I said, I've got about 40 done so far. I've got 40 out of the 150, which that's a lot to do, but still 40 is not a bad start. I mean, it's, it's only June, middle of June. So. Um, that's the, probably the, the, the easier, the best part about self-publishing is that I have a lot more control over things time-wise and the mo- one, a couple of, and another challenges could be advertising for the book, promoting the book because they would do that. I have to do that myself. So I thought about maybe hiring a, like a college student as a intern to possibly help promote the book. You know, set up some things and help push the book out to different people. You know, it'd be a lot, probably more inexpensive for me to do that than to pay the publisher to do that. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot, a lot going into it. A lot of things I'm thinking about and, you know, my, I just decided to self-publish. So I have a little bit um, better opportunity to make the book look the way I want it to look. You mentioned you weren't going the Amazon route to sell the book. Uh, you mentioned, you know, on your website, you'll advertise it. How much is the book going for? What's your plan price? My plan price, you know, I haven't really thought too much about it, but I'm thinking to sell the book in two different ways. One would be the paperback, and th- that might be 15 to 20 I'm, I would like to do it for 15 16 bucks, something like that. And then I, I would do the hard hardback with the um, – sleeve on it and that might be 25 to 30 dollar because it's obviously more costly to print that so i'll probably print a handful of those and sell those be more expensive but the other ones would be a little more reasonable and it's only a few dollars but some people you know just may be happy with the paperback and you know it just depends upon how many i have to print and what i decide to uh, to go with as far as that's concerned going back towards the players do you have a count on how many schools are represented in this book? And if you do, what are some of the schools that are the more common uh, shown in this book? 
You know, that's a great question, Lee. I have not gone through and separated by schools yet. Um, that's actually on my to-do list at some point. Um, <clears throat> probably want to get closer to <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, producing the book and finalizing the book so I have an idea of where I want to schedule some of these signings. But obviously the schools like Pickerington, Centerville, or I'm sorry, Shamna Julian, uh, Beaver Creek has some players on the list. Um, you know, you look at schools, uh, Garfield Heights, Trinity, which, which also, which, which is also Regina has, uh, has several players on the book in, in the book as well. Um, Afrocentric, um, is a school that a lot of people know of, um, Berlin Highland, a legendary division. Well, three slash four, whatever year it is team, um, has a couple of really good legends in the book as well. Um, those are some of the ones that have like multiple players. Um, but you know, Heath has a couple out of Columbus. Um, so it just, uh, you know, it's just pretty much it's it's a variety of schools all over Ohio. I mean, really, I've touched all bases, you know, as far as like all corners of the state are pretty much covered. And I, like I said, I did, did did not do that on plan. That's just the way it landed. You know, it's, it's like I didn't want to have 80 people from the Dayton area, you know, and then people are like, well, the whole book's on Dayton area, which is not true. There's several of them from this area, but there's you know, schools, Toledo, Cleveland, Columbus, you know, Cincinnati, all over the place that are that are represented. You mentioned you don't have a full list of them, but are there any schools that are closed or renamed or anything like that that don't exist as they did back then? Yeah, I believe that uh, Jewett Sio and Bel Air St. John, I believe off the top of my head, are both closed. Mm. Um Regina is closed. Regina is up in the Cleveland area. They were closed. Uh, Jewett Sio, where Amy Marks went to school, she was a high-flying scoring machine for back in the early 90s. They are closed. And like I said, um, Bel Air St. John, I believe they're closed as well. Stephanie Petho, who I just talked to um, today um, for like the third time, mm-hmm. she played it. She graduated in 92 from Bel Air St. John. Her junior year, she averaged 35.8 points a game. As a senior, she averaged 37.5. And yeah, she was, she was a high score. She went to Pittsburgh, university of Pittsburgh. And, uh, but those, I believe both those schools are closed also. So yeah, that's, you know, we obviously won't be going back there, but (laughs) you know, we'll be sitting there by ourselves, but on on some empty land, but, but no, that's a great question because uh, yeah, the least three of those schools are no longer even around. I thought about that. I was looking at a Wikipedia article about Southwest Ohio conferences and just saw, especially when Cincinnati had the big blast of like just this super conference in 1989, just seeing yes. some of those schools just closed. And I remember when I was in high school, Valley View played Cincinnati Jacobs in football and they closed a couple of years after I graduated high school. So it's. Yeah. Mother of Mercy is another school that closed, Cincinnati Mother of Mercy. Yeah, um, they closed as well, and um, of course, you know Dayton's had a couple schools downtown that have closed, and so it's um, yeah, yeah, that that's a great question because I'm, you know, that's something to look into when I get, you know, a little bit ahead of the schedule. I'm a little behind right now, not a whole lot. I'm probably three or four days behind, so it's not that bad. 
I can make that up over a weekend. But, you know, my goal is to do one player, uh, one player chapter per day. Um, and it would take me up to the beginning of October. Some days I'll do more. Some days I won't get to do any. But my goal is one per day. I did mine this morning already for the today. And um, that would get me through, like I said, until, you know, my goal is October 1st to have the the rough draft, the very rough draft written. Now, with closed schools, is it tougher to reach out to people that were part of that team or those teams compared to, you know, schools that are still open, of course, but maybe the coaches or the administrators, the players aren't, you know, they haven't been in that area for quite some time. What's what's tougher in your book? Well, I was, I'm, I'm pretty lucky on that because with the three or four that I have that I know of, Regina is uh, now Regina has a kid that I'm going to have. A, I'm going to struggle to try to find. Um, so that I'm working on that right now, but the other two, Stephanie Petho and Amy Marks, Amy's actually married and she's living in Eastern Ohio. Her, her, um, husband is a baseball coach. I think it was with the Baltimore Orioles organization at one time. I'm not exactly sure where where he's at now. Stephanie Petho, um, like I said, their school closed. I, I reached her through university of Pittsburgh because I'm friends with the coaches over there and I went through their departments and uh, they got me connected with her. And then, you know, we've talked two or three times since then, but um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It just makes a little more challenging when I run through all of my options of my circle and then the school's not open anymore. So I can't call them. So there's always the option of trying to call their college where they went to college. So that's, you know, that's also on my, that's all my list of options to choose from as well is to just call their college and go through their, you know, alumni association. And then they can usually get me hooked up with them. In the book, how often do you have to deal with conference changes, schools, merging uh, divisions, you know, changing how, how much is that involved in the book? You know, not at all. I mean, really, um, Basically, I just take their story. Um, we talk, and like I said, I, I take notes from the story that we talk about. We talk about the, back in the day, and there hasn't been really that I've written so far, none that have changed um, that they've said anything to me. Like, hey, I was player of the year in the league, and then we switched over to this league, and I was player of the year this as a senior. You know, nothing major to throw anything off track or anything like that. Sticking with conferences, uh, this is going to be brief, but in Southwest Ohio, we're seeing a lot of changes in conferences, schools leaving to go to other conferences. Like this year, if we have sports, it'll be the last year of the cross-county conference. And, you know, my hometown of West Alexandria has a team there, Twin Valley South, of course. Yes, yes. And now most of the CCC, yep, one of two Panthers on 503. Yeah, that's right. Not, 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 Not five miles apart, probably. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's like 50 miles apart, but that's because right. it's nothing but countryside. But that's true. That's at, true. And before 1985, there was Twin Valley North as well, but that's in Lewisburg. But I, I got you. Anyway, the conferences, they're they're shifting. And it seems like it's not just high schools, but it's uh, everywhere now. But in terms of conferences changing in Southwest Ohio, do you see this as 
more of a thing that can help girls basketball? Do you see it as a thing that it's going to keep happening and any changes from here on out, we shouldn't be surprised. What do you see in a conference change? Well, you know, obviously that's touched me as well because I live in tip city and, you know, they broke away and created the Miami Valley league with basically schools from the G walk. So there really was no change with except for the name because tip would still play Troy and they play Greenville and they play Vandalia they play Piqua. Um, and they, and Sydney, of course they dropped to the other half of the new division. So, I mean, in my, in my personal case in tip, it hasn't really affected. Now, if you go to the cross County conference and then the new, uh, try, I forgot the new conference with Bethel and, uh, three rivers, athletic three conference, rivers, three rivers. Yes. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Bethel and layman Catholic Riverside. And I believe maybe a couple Northridge maybe. And, yeah. And Nor- and uh, Milton union too. Milton union. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's good because, well, here's what I think. I think you get an opportunity to create some new rivals, some new, I mean, so obviously tip and Troy has always been a rival. And now they still are. But let's say Bethel and West Milton become rivals. Well, they've never played really much, that much before. So Bethel, West Milton could become a rival. Um, Northridge and Lehman could become a rival. You, you never know. Um, I, I'm a big rivalry guy, so I like to see the, the ones like the Troy Pickle rivalry has been around forever. Um, I would love to see you know, an opportunity for these kids to not only play some different teams, but maybe play in a conference with teams more their size. You know, I can't say that for these conferences without looking. I'm, that's just my opinion on an overall view. But playing against competition that's your own school size is always good, I think. You know, now, on the other side, you look at someone like, um, you know, the smaller schools, like, uh, like let's say, Minster and that kind of stuff. And they play, you know, Versailles is Division Three, And I think maybe Delphus... St. John, I don't know if they are or not. I, I don't. That's a little bit out of my area, but they could be Division Three. So you look at you look at like obviously they're playing a pretty much same size school, but maybe a little bit bigger. But I just think it's important to see the rivalries between some of these schools. I mean, I love the, I love the Friday night rivalries on football. You see them as well when you do your football games. And it's just I think it's great for the school and the student athletes to be able to get get ready for a great new rivalry. There's three ripple effects for myself. Uh, I mentioned I'm from West Alex, of course. With the new Western Ohio Athletic Conference, it's mainly the same schools, except for four of them going to the uh, three rivers. And now they're adding Dixie and Preble Shawnee. And yeah. that's, that's a great rivalry. That's great for South. I mean, you got 503 cover right there. So travel is yes. nothing. At 35, there's Dixie and South right there. And swing yeah. up to North and Preble Shawnee. And uh, for the Southwestern Buckeye League, they're losing so many of their small schools to um, a couple to the Woak and a couple for the Three Rivers. Now that's going to leave them with, I think, 10. And... That's eaten to Waynesville now. And if the rumors are true that Clinton Massey and Wilmington are going to be added, I feel for my uh, Eagle brethren in Preble County because that's a trip. Well, Clinton here's the County. thing also. You look at Tip City. So they were in the CBC. Mm. They were in the CBC with uh, schools like Indian Lake and, and Ben Logan of all places. Now that was a trip. 
I drank, I went to Ben Logan for my son's track meet when he was in high school. And I was like, holy cow, this is a long drive up here. But <laughs> now you look at like tip, their whole league is eight minutes to Troy, 15 minutes to Piqua, 20 minutes to Sydney. Um, it's five minutes to Vandalia. And then of course, 45 minutes to Greenville. But yeah. that's basically everything is within 20 minutes, except for Greenville. Everything was within 20 minutes of tip. And, and it really helps that realignment and change in the conference really helped, especially on weeknights when they're trying to get the kids back home. Absolutely. And the third ripple effect I was going to mention, uh, the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, they they lost with throw. They're going back to the uh, Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference, but they added three schools in a kind of a uh, return to the Fort Hinton Valley Conference, except without all those schools. It's like 10 schools now. Uh, Witten Woods, which got left out the first time of the ECC, they're in. And Loveland, the team I broadcast for, they are going there week 10, so I can't wait to see the Warriors. The Lebanon Warriors are also now in the ECC, uh, out of the G-Walk for the first time in quite some time. And Little Miami, and that sets up the uh, uh, Panthers and Kings Knights rivalry, which I believe was pretty big because I think they share Mainville. I think. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good ones going to be coming up this year on the changes, that's for sure. Now, let's say you have ultimate power to create a perfect conference. What schools are you taking nearby and why? If I'm creating a super conference for athletics. Yes. Something that's okay. going to knock the tar out of other conferences and something that's going to be fun and you know competitive. Ooh, so let, I, and, I'll, <laughs> and I'm just going to stick with basketball because that's what I know. Oh, that's fine. That's let's fine. do let's just basketball. So if I'm creating a super conference, well, um, I want to have, I want, I'm going to start away down in Dayton, and I'm going to start with taking um, Wayne. I want to take Wayne. Hmm. Because of the fact that, you know, they've got they always have great players and very athletic team, that, you know, love to pressure you, love to get after you on defense. Um, then I'm going to take Centerville because they're very deep team. So I'm going to have Wayne and Centerville in my conference. You can't you can't split that rivalry up. No. And then I'm going to bring in Minster okay. in Fort Loramie. Uh, Minster and Fort Loramie because Loramie, I mean, Minster's in the Mac and they, you know, they are very they know how to win. They can compete. Uh, Fort Loramie and girls basketball, they were, they, they might've been, some people say they could have been the best team in the area last year, maybe even a state uh, in division four. I mean, them and Minster would have been a classic possible championship game. Had they met, um, you know, Minster would have gone for three in a row and Loramie was undefeated and was smacking everybody around last year. But I want those two in my conference. Um, I want Centerville and Wayne in my conference. Uh, who else do I want? I would I wouldn't mind having. Um, hmm. I'm Ooh. sorry. I'm sorry. I kind of put a curveball in things, but it's just, hey, I I like creativity. I like hearing hey, what you would do. I want Tip in the conference because I want everybody to come here so I can see him play in my hometown. So let okay. let's bring them in the conference too. Why not? And then uh, you know, there's that's five. That's a good conference. So, so you got Centerville, Wayne, Tip, Minster, and Lormy. That's pretty strong. It's a pretty strong conference. That's pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. Especially in the basketball side of things that I deal with. I mean, that's that's some pretty heavy stuff right there. Jim, let's talk about this dreaded coronavirus and the quarantine on it. 
Let me ask you point blank. Basketball this year, are we seeing it or no? Right now, I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, I I, I hope. I want sports back. I, I think we're going to see back. I mean, I'm uh, as we're as we're recording this, we're still waiting to hear about baseball and the uh, N- NHL is supposed to start at the end of July. NBA is still haggling with the players, but hopefully they, uh, you know, hopefully something develops to where everybody can get back. Just get us back into a little bit of normalcy so we can enjoy some of this stuff. And then I, I just, I, and I told somebody, I think I said, by the end of June, you're going to have the protests, which obviously brought people together. You had the uh, Memorial day weekend, which brought people together. I think by the end of June, you're going to see um, either a huge spike, which we have seen spike. Um, the hospitals are prepared for it. So they, they're ready for it. If there does is a spike, but then, um, you know, or no spike, if they don't have a spike, then potentially you're going to see, um, a lot more things open up. And I think fall sports, um, I'm probably 90% that fall sports is going to happen unless we have something crazy. If something just gets out of control, then obviously that just supersedes anything I'm saying. But I think if, if things just stay stable and they manage where we're at, yes, I think we'll see fall sports. Uh, could they, will they be on time? That's a question. I mean, I could see it being delayed a couple weeks until after Labor Day. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. Tip, Tip just announced they're starting school on August 31st. They moved it from like August 20th to the 31st. Uh, which gives their staff some more time to get everything in place for the new normal, as they like to say, the new norm. So I, I do believe we'll have sports unless we have a major problem between now and then. And, and, and uh, I really think it's what we need. I think we need to get this stuff back. There is one thing that worries me. It's uh, the state of Florida. I think, I read last night they reached 100,000 cases, and they're having a bad spike. And the thing is, Major League Soccer and the NBA have picked Orlando to restart their season. FC Cincinnati's going down there. The Columbus Crew going down there. They're in the same group, and I think that'll be some good football for those uh, fans out there. And it's just, I I don't know. I mean, I I worry about it and that huge spike in Florida, but... uh, I, I I certainly hope we have fall sports because uh, I haven't seen a live game or worked a live game since uh, mid March. Yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah, I was sitting at I was sitting at press row at the state final four when they pulled Carroll off the floor and as they're warming up for the first game on that Thursday afternoon, and uh, they said we're pulling the plug and you know that was it. Well, I haven't seen a live sport since, and I, I think I've watched every. Um, big former sporting event. I've seen all the all four of the Stanley Cup for the Penguins in the last two months. That they've re-aired. Mm-hmm. I've seen several Reds games. They've re-aired. I've seen Tom Browning's perfect game about four times, I think, <laughs> and uh, seen the '75 and '76 World Series. And that's all that stuff is great to watch that stuff. But all right, I'm I'm over it now. Let's go. Let's get back to some live stuff, some stuff that you aren't predetermined. You know that like. So you don't know who won already? Let's get into the live stuff, kind of get us excited and kind of get this country back together. I really haven't been 
into the archive sports. I mean, it's great and it's something. But for me, it's just the only time I really need that is if I build myself a DeLorean, go back in time, and, you know, make a bet or two. It's like, hey, I think this is going to yeah. happen. It's like, oh. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you, uh, you, you'd be sitting pretty right now if that happened, <laughs> wouldn't you? Oh, uh, like you wouldn't believe. Of course, that's the whole plot in Back to the Future, too. So it's great I would be like, I'd be like, I'm going to put $100,000 that Joe Montana throws this pass to uh, Dwight Clark on this touchdown pass, you know, way back in the eighties and, you know, just keep on going from there. It's, it's like the video version of gray sports almanac. It's. Oh yeah. But yeah. Jim, what are some of your favorite things about sports locally? Well, you know, I, I'm really big on, you know, the Miami Valley sports and the fans um, getting an opportunity just to, interact with people to talk about the Reds or talk about the Bengals or the Buckeyes or, or Wright state or central state or, or whoever, I mean, the Bengals and, you know, just, I the, this area of, of athletics is really good. We saw what Dayton did last year. We mm-hmm. saw that they had a chance to possibly do something really special, which was cut short. Um, Wright state not to be outdone had a great year. Uh, both of those schools had great years. The women's programs, Wright State and Dayton, they've both had great years over the last several. Uh, you know, so getting to watch some of that, you look at some of the smaller schools, Sinclair, Edison State, you know, Cedarville, you know, Urbana before they closed their doors. They were all the local athletes that got a chance to, for me personally, getting a chance to go to Urbana or Cedarville or Wittenberg to watch players play that I saw not too long ago playing in high school, just to say, Hey, you know, it's great to catch up with you at this next level of basketball. You know, your game's going well. And, and I just, I just love the, I love the local sports scene because I really think they have a great fan base and we all get behind them. You know, we, we get a chance to, uh, to live the dream that some of these other people get to live with watching, you know, these young athletes do well and, and, or the professionals, you know, the reds, you know, I thought they were going to have a great year. They might have a great year. Uh, as short as it's going to be, uh, but you know, getting a chance to watch, you know, your hometown team is always is always uh, definitely worth um, you know getting excited about. Now, what would you like to see in the future of sports and media around here in the Miami Valley? Ooh, this could get me in trouble. Can we shut off social media for about a year? Uh, good luck. Uh, now. Hey, I love social media, and I say that joking, half jokingly. I love social media. I'm a big, as you are. We're both big in social media. Mm. We both have a lot of quote followers or whatever you want to call us that, that does a lot of stuff with social media. But um, if you think about it, um, you know, it's there's some days when I'm like, why am I looking at this stuff? You know, it's just like the one good the one good thing about social media that I like is you don't have to wait until like we like, let's bring back the '90s again. We don't have to wait until the next day to hear about news or sports. Um, with Twitter, you're refreshing it during like this, like with the baseball situation, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're supposedly going to announce an agreement. You're refreshing it every two minutes, waiting to see that agreement. You know, back in the day, uh, the media is like, God. You know, I have to wait till, I mean, you probably saw it on the news, but like if you're working all day long, like I was working, you know, 
all day long. Didn't have a cell phone back in 1993. So who knows what's going on in the world? Now with today's media, especially social media, we're getting stuff immediately, like instantaneous news. We just had a big trade take place. Here's the story. We just had this take place. Here's the story. And, you know, I think it's for, for, for those of us who just need the immediate news, like me and you, we're both, we both like to see the immediate stuff happen. Yeah. I think it's good. Um, and I, I like the direction it's going. I just I don't like to see all the junk on there that's on there, all the arguing and bickering all the time. But I do think for a news format, as far as getting us to what we need to know and what we want to know, I think it's a nice improvement over 15, 20 years ago. Now, for those that are interested in becoming writers or they want to write their own book about sports, what advice can you give them? Change your mind. <laughs> You're like the second person that said change your mind during the interviews, which, oh, no. which I've done about 20 of this quarantine. So that, that um, might be a good ratio. No, all kidding aside. I mean, I love what I do. You know, I, I have a regular job. This isn't I don't this isn't my how I feed my family. You know, I have a regular job. I just love sports. And I've been writing sports, covering sports part-time for the local papers here in town for a long time. Um, you get to meet some great people. Uh, you know, you get to express just just telling a story for people that aren't at the game, for that grandparent that can't get out to watch their grandkids play. You create the story for them to read. And it's a great sense of excitement knowing that, you know, hey, Joey's grandfather or whatever is going to read this about his grandson hitting the winning shot or scoring 30 points or hitting the home run to give the give the team the victory or whatever. I think it's great for um, that self the self fulfillment of, hey, I'm making a difference in this individual's life um, or, you know, any reader. You know, there's people that there are people that read the paper um, religiously looking for for scores, you know, and, and even though the dailies don't do a lot of like scores like the right the next day after anymore, which, you know, it's, it's for, for various reasons. My, but the weeklies that I've written for has been great because you really, you know, you can really go into detail. You can do feature stories on kids, which people love to read about that. And that's what I do all summer. For the paper in Tip City, I'll do a, I do a returning athlete feature every week on a Tip Kid and a Bethel Kid. So every week throughout the summer, people that read the paper uh, in town can read about these athletes and get to know them a little bit more uh, going into next sports season. And it gives them an opportunity to it gives me an opportunity to tell their story. And that's why I got into it. I just love to be able to make people happy to read, you know, my thoughts or whoever, you know, on, on the game or, or a story on such and such athlete. It's great. I think it's great for them to be able to, to enjoy that. Jim, how can people follow your work and you on social media and what is your website? So the website is a And, uh, the Twitter account is jdabs86, 
you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook, uh, which is just my name, Jim DeBelt. And my Instagram account is jdabsbb. I do that once in a while. I do not, will not, and refuse to do TikTok. Um, yeah. I, I am not. I, I know that's the big thing with kids. Hey, I got on Twitter. A lot of kids are on Twitter, and now it's older people. And, and there's still kids on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Instagram, you know, Snapchat I do. I have Snapchat account, but I don't really know how to use that too much. But TikTok, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw the article I posted, but uh, yeah, it's a good thing you don't use TikTok just because of the fact how much stuff is actually you know, kept in the processors. I, I don't know how to say that, but it, there's a lot of yeah. stuff on your phone that they can track, and it's it, it's a lot. It's like, yeah. what apps do you have? What apps did you delete? How hot is your phone? Or how much uh, free space or, do you have in your hard drive? Where are you at? Where? Yeah, it's just... It, or, it's, how, or, how, or how about this, Lee? You know, you're walking, you're, walk, you're driving by, and you're like, oh, man, I need to stop at Texas Roadhouse sometime. Their steak is really good. <laughs> and then three hours later, you have a Texas Roadhouse ad on your Facebook page. Yeah. Isn't I, that amazing how it's so coincidental, isn't it, Lee? Uh, I don't know if that's my favorite thing about social media or not. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. You know, I don't have anything to hide. But, yeah. some, you know, it, it's one of those things where – um, you know, it, it does dig into your privacy a little bit, you know, I mean, it's big brothers listening. So you just got to, um, you know, be careful what you say. Thank goodness. I'm boring. So there we go. Right. <laughs> I hear that. The, I know the feeling, man. I know the feeling. Just, Hey, if, if you want to, if you want to learn about basketball, you can listen to me if you want. Otherwise you'll be pretty bored. Jim, one last question before we wrap up. What is the name of the book? Lee, the book is going to be called The Ohio 150. It's a, a comprehensive look at girls' basketball in Ohio, 1990-2020. Very nice. Like I said, it'll be, it'll be available and hopefully in March, knock on wood. I just knocked on wood. That's me knocking ah. on wood. Hang on. My and, roadcaster's taking up my table. <laughs> <laughs> And so with that said, yeah, March, hopefully early March, it'll be out. Um, like I said, I'll have them for sale at the state tournament. Uh, obviously, you'll see them all over on Twitter because I'll be blasting it on social media for a couple months, you know, to to get the word out about the fact that they're for sale. And, you know, hopefully uh, it just keeps going well. And everybody's been really, really wonderful. I don't expect that to change as far as the players are concerned. Now it's just uh, getting it all written. Jim, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And that will do it for episode 165 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Again, Jim DeBelt, uh, the guest on this episode. And we'll talk to you again for episode 166. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcasts. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, 
and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowans mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.